welcome to the Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today I talk with Kendra Kidd, Associate Creative Director with Shepherd in Jacksonville, Florida, and half of Halftone Deaf. We talk about building black letter type, beer packaging, raising special needs children, and more, all right after this. Are you ready for an adventure? Then get your Creative South adventure ticket today. This is the ticket for you. It's a full day of adventure that includes catered breakfast of the National Infantry Museum with a tour following, a bike tour down the Riverwalk on the Chattahoochee, catered lunch at the Civil War Naval Museum with a tour after that, finishing your bike ride at the zip line that crosses over the river to the high ropes course, whitewater rafting down the largest urban whitewater course in the world, ending with a wild game dinner at Epic with s'mores by a fi- by fire on an island. That's all, Tuesday, April 4th. This also includes an invite to the VIP dinner Wednesday night, as well as everything that comes with the regular ticket. A full vacation and an adventure in one day. Are you ready? We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South Podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Kendrick, thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me. So why don't we uh, start off in the early years and tell me where did you grow up? So I grew up in a place called Merritt Island, Florida. Uh, it's a island that's like situated in the intracoastal system mm-hmm. in between the city of Cocoa and Cocoa Beach. Okay. So pretty small town, not a whole lot going on, but fun place to grow up. Gotcha. When you were growing up, were you um, an arty kid or were you more into sports? Um, I did a little bit of both. Um, Definitely always involved in kind of like drawing and painting Mm -hmm. pretty much since like kindergarten, maybe. Gotcha. Um, And then that kind of carried over, you know, into elementary, junior high, high school. But all along the way, um, I did play a little bit of baseball probably for about five years. I did a year of soccer. Um, and of course surfed and, and skated, uh, pretty much that entire time. Sure. So when you get into school, do you start taking art classes and thinking about, um, you know, going to school for art or do you just kind of have the, I don't know, the typical, I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to. And <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, I didn't really have a whole lot of idea about like like I had no idea basically mm-hmm. I got into high school I knew that I liked art classes um, my academic stuff was was mediocre at best I, I um, know that feeling <laughs> <laughs> um, so one day like in high school I had a really great art teacher um, bring in a college rep from the Art Institute Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and he started talking about graphic design being like a career choice mm-hmm. and I think I was I was either a junior or a senior when that when that happened um, and of course kind of like looking back through my history and and figuring out well hey you know I'm, I'm not gonna be a rocket scientist mm-hmm. um, that's out <laughs> lawyers probably out too um, I knew that I was into art and I was like, wow, this sounds like, this sounds like a good way to go. Sure. Yep. So where do, where do you end up going to college at? Uh, I went to school at university of North Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up applying to a bunch of different art schools, um, and actually got accepted to a few, but the reality of taking on um, <laughs> art school payments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Man, that was like a big reality check. Yeah. Um, So then I started looking at state schools um, in Florida. And North Florida had the graphic design program I was looking for. And it was situated close to the coast, Mm -hmm. which was also big for me. I was surfing a lot at the time. And 
I remember visiting Jacksonville and the campus and I was like, wow, this feels, this feels a lot like home. Mm -hmm. Well, I've talked to a lot of people who have gone to university of North Florida, so they they must have a pretty decent program. Cause I've, I'm trying to think like you've got Shauna Panchazan and Clint Orr and I think Josh Ariza went there. So, yeah, there's, there's some good schools and, uh, in North Florida, for sure. I think I think Josh went to Flagler, which is a a private school down in St. Augustine, but it's excellent too. Okay. Um, and the the I would say the program has just continued to get better and better. At the time that I went, I I don't know that it was um, it was over the top great, but it certainly wasn't bad. And I feel like just like anything else, you kind of get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a good experience. Gotcha. So, so what did you put into it? What, what did you get out of it? Um, man, I made a lot of good friends mm -hmm. and definitely a small group of people that were either a year above me or a year behind me or in my class, um, that we just kind of banded together and, and pushed one another. Mm -hmm. It was like a very, very healthy, uh, kind of competition going on. Um, and I think that, that definitely, that made me hungry to, to do more, you mm -hmm. know, and, and kind of hone my craft. Gotcha. And when you were going through school, did you start off um, studying graphic design or did you, you know, were you just taking art classes in general and then graphic design is the one that kind of landed? Because I know you mentioned earlier that somebody from um, Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale was talking about it. Yeah, as soon as he said graphic design, literally, man, I kind of put my head down and started started heading down that direction. Mm. Um, so when I got in school, you know, of course, you got to knock out all your core classes like Western <laughs> Civ and uh, statistics and all that. Spanish kind of stuff. too. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I kind of knew as soon as I got in that that was the track that I wanted to take. Gotcha. So when you get out of school, what do you end up doing? Where do you end up going? So I got out of school and, um, again, this is another one of those reality checks. My, my parents <laughs> were like, so what are you going to do? You know, you're graduating soon. I had an internship at the time, which I, I was real happy about. Um, and I started talking about, I don't know, I think I'm going to take some time off, maybe, maybe travel a little bit. And mom kind of like brought the hammer down and she was like, well, you got, you know, car payment, uh, <laughs> insurance, um, you know, all that stuff. You got to pay for your apartment. And I remember breaking down <laughs> at that point in time. I was like, oh my God, I need to get a job like immediately. So, um, oh shit, mom and dad have been paying for this for years. Now I have to. <laughs> pretty much. They were like, the ride is over. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Like I'm, I'm very thankful that, um, they were, they were able to do that for me. I mean, it was, it was huge looking back on it now. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so i I started job hunting immediately and I got a job designing car ads in the classified section of the newspaper in Jacksonville. Fun. Yes, lots of magenta, yellow, cyan, bursts, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was about to say, how many starbursts could you fit in one ad? <laughs> Good Lord, man. They love those things. They, they, love they, they certainly do. <laughs> so, so you're in the fulfilling job of designing car ads with sunbursts and um, bright primary colors. Um, where do you go from there? So I, I stayed there for probably about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I kind of figured out that, you know, it was a it was a good learning experience. Got my feet wet. Uh, a lot of nice people. But it was time to kind of move on. And I had my sights set on getting an agency job at this place called uh, the Robin Shepherd Group. Mm -hmm. So I, I interviewed there. Um, they brought me in to freelance on a project just to kind of try me out. I, I was still working at the Times Union at the time. I pretty much like took a day off to, so I could go in and freelance. Uh, and I got in and completely freaking choked the job. Oh, no. I mean, choked it bad. Um, they literally, I think they gave me like one thing to do. And I took the entire day to do it, and it was just complete crap. I just, I froze. I froze. <laughs> so, um, so that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> but I started applying to other places in the area um, and ended up at a place called the Boardwalk Group, mm -hmm. which was another small advertising agency in town. Uh, they, they were downtown at the time, maybe about 10 people, um, a lot of B2B clients, um, Again, really, really nice people. 
um, and, and learned a lot there. Probably was there for about, I don't know, four years, I think. Sure. Yep. So what were you doing in your time there? Um, a, a lot of production work, mm -hmm. um, a lot of print work. I, I would say that like somewhere somewhere in that four years, we transitioned over into about 50-50 print web. So I started to get my feet wet um, just doing some like front-end design work um, for the web, which was, which was interesting. This is probably about like early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Flash was a big deal at the time. So I'm dating myself, but, but yeah, Flash was, <laughs> Flash was the hot shit. So I, uh, I was doing a little bit of Flash work, um, still doing a lot of print design at the same time. Um, but yeah, pretty much anything that they would throw my way, I would try and gobble it up. Gotcha. So you're, you're, you're struggling through, and I know you said you did this uh, freelance project for the Shepherd Group, which I believe is where you work now, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I interviewed here three times before I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good agency in town. Do they hold um, that over your head? <laughs> that, you know, they're nice enough to not. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things where I, I, I knew that I wanted to be here really bad and I, I wasn't satisfied not being here. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to stay in Jacksonville, I was just going to keep pounding it until they let me in. And finally, one day they did. Um, and that was, I think around 2004. Okay. Yeah. So this December it'll be 12 years. Gotcha. Yep. So, <laughs> so in those three interviews, what did you, uh, what did you learn about yourself that eventually got you in the door? Man, I think the first time I came in, um, it was for an art director position. Mm -hmm. You know, I was only a year and a half out of school. I don't think I really knew what that entailed. Sure. Um, you know, you, you come out confident, ignorant, <laughs> which is a bad combination. Um, and, and what I found out in the three times was like, you know, it's it really is about experience and fit and timing and who you know. Mm -hmm. um, I After the first interview, I continued to keep in touch with... Um, several people that worked at the office mm -hmm. and just kind of build those relationships up over the years. Um, and when, then when an opportunity came, came around, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, I had, I had made a decent enough impression the first couple times around that they would give me another shot. Sure. Well, apparently they did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Third time's a charm, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So what, what is your current role there? So right now I am an associate creative director. Okay. Um, I work on Marielle's my primary client, which I don't know if you have any dogs or cats. Uh, not anymore. Okay. Well, they make pet pharmaceutical products like Frontline and HeartGuard. Okay. Uh, as long as well as like a bunch of other things like vaccines and uh, large animal products. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of stuff for them. Um, we also just picked up a large retail client that I'm going to be acting as the CD on. Um, so I've got, I've got a team of people that, that help me out on a regular basis, uh, anywhere from designers, production, art directors. Sure. Uh, yeah. A bunch of different folks. So kind of explain what's the difference between, for those who don't know, for, between a creative director and an associate creative director. Honestly, there's not a whole lot of difference. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I think the only difference is once you get to the creative director uh, position, you're just kind of flying without a net. You know, mm -hmm. associate creative director, you always have somebody there to to kind of help guide you if uh, if you get off track. Somebody to um, check in with. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you still, honestly, like even with uh, the creative director position, you still have people that you can kind of bounce things off of, other people in the office. Um it's it's a really like collaborative environment, so mm -hmm. you're pretty much you've always got somebody there that's going to help out if you need it. Yeah, there's not there's not a ton of difference to be honest. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know I mean every agency is kind of different in the way that they have their structure set up, but you typically have you know you go from you got a production guy, copywriter, um, art director, or in some cases associate art director, then art director. And then it goes forward. And I've just always wondered about, because most of the agencies I've worked with have been small, where it's the art director is acting as the CD for the project as well. 
Yeah. Um, so I was wondering how those those different layers kind of work. Man, it's honestly you you hit the nail on the head. It's different everywhere, and I feel like the larger the agency you're working at, the more specialized your task mm-hmm. becomes. Uh, so you, you know, like traditional creative director might not be sitting behind a computer or, or doing anything behind a computer because sure. he's, you know, he's thinking about strategy and messaging and how that relates to the solution that we're trying to come up with, and then you know, directing to art directors and designers to kind of get the work actually done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about, I think we're about 40 to 45 people at Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely not a large agency. And a lot of those lines between creative director and art director kind of get blurred. So depending on the size of the project and the number of pieces and who's available, sure. um, we could definitely have art directors acting as as CDs and CDs acting as art directors. So there's not there's not a whole lot of clear clear cut lines, at least not here. Gotcha. And have you kind of worked your way through uh, most of the? Did, you came in as an art director, correct? That's what you I, said. Yep, I did. I did. By the by, the time I got here, I had probably five or six years mm-hmm. under my belt. Um, so yeah, I, I came in as an AD. Okay. So through that time and kind of working your way up, what changes have you seen in the agency? Um. I've seen a lot, a lot of things change and a lot of things kind of stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, client base has grown a little bit. Um, it's, it shrunk a little bit over that time too. <laughs> so it's just interesting watching the cycle of clients kind of come in and come out and, and people too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that has a lot to do with the vibe in general at the agency, you know, mm-hmm. who's, who's in the office and what their personalities are like. Um, as far as like workflow and stuff, we're I think we're trying to get more towards a traditional agency model, um, where you do have a single creative director or two creative directors, kind of acting as group heads. Sure. Uh, and then you've got teams teams of people underneath them that are handling client work. So I think we're working a lot harder now to get the internal structure the way that it should be, mm-hmm. so that we can be more efficient with our time. Gotcha. Yep. So one of the things I've noticed and, you know, the time kind of keeping up with you for the past, uh, I don't know, probably four years now, um, is your styles really evolved. And then this last year, you seem to have really hit a groove of, I don't know how to explain it, this, this very consistent yet every piece looks like it's very individually tailored um, style. Kind of walk me through the process the that you're at least consciously aware of that took you there. Man, I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, I am completely unaware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a little all over the place. Um, I, I have a couple styles that I'm really comfortable working in. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the mono weight stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have, you know, the varied line stuff that's, I feel like heavily influenced by people like, uh, Jim Phillips, um, and just kind of like eighties skateboard art. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. And man, as far as like where and when it comes out, a lot of it just has to do with what the client asked me, asked me for. It's not like really a conscious thing on my part where I'm like, I'm going to work in this style and just work in this style. Sure. Um, as far as like the, the just like the evolution of it and lately things maybe seem seeming a little bit more consistent i i i don't even know how to answer that <laughs> <laughs> i i really don't man because it's just it's not even it's not any it's nothing that's on my radar you know yeah well so your style you know like you said you've got kind of some varied styles you 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 have very especially on your dribble profile you've got very three kind of distinct groupings <laughs> um and and then there's a few outliers here and there like uh, you've got I'll focus on the outliers you've got all this black letter stuff that you've done recently yeah um where did that come about from was that specific to a client or was that just playing around and doing no, stuff that, that was literally just playing around man I I have this, whenever I start on any lettering project, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I usually have a set of characters that I'm trying to create for it. 
Sure. And with this one in particular, I think I just had some free time in the morning and I was like, oh, I, would, I would really love to do some black letter stuff. And I just started messing around with, I think, a U. And then uh-huh. that U grew into, you know, a couple more letters. And then I get to the point where I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm halfway to having a full alphabet. And then I just keep going. And then once I have all the caps, I'm like, wow, I need to, I need to focus on maybe doing like one or two, like lowercase and see if, see if it works out there. And then that turns into a set and it just kind of keeps snowballing and snowballing. Mm -hmm. So, so you've essentially built out this entirely, cause it is, while it's black letter, it's a very distinct black letter. Um, it's, I'm trying to find the right word. It's much more geometric than your normal black letter. Yep. Um, so what, walk me through the thought process behind that of, you know, aside from building, well, I've got all the capitals. Now I've got all the lower shape. Yeah. Lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, God, man, I love, I love black letter in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there is a lot of, they can be very ornate, um, but they can also be very slabby too. Mm-hmm. And I started to get fixated on the idea of, okay, well, what if you took a black letter and tried to kind of modernize it? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the geometric part comes in. That, and I feel like it's easier to work with geometric shapes and angles sure, uh, than it is with organic ones, especially when you're creating like a set. I feel like the more organic the letter shape, the harder it is to kind of recreate that in, in different forms, like if you're doing a, an entire set of letters. So... I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to do a black letter and I, I wanted to try something, I guess, a little less traditional and kind of bend it more towards, I guess, a modern, what I would consider a modern, modern form. I'd say you hit the nail on the head with it then. Right on, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So I, I gotta ask, cause you were at you, you and Levi spoke at Creative South. I guess it'll be four years now. That sounds right. Sounds about right. Yep. Um, and when you were up there speaking, you were speaking under Halftone Deaf. Where, yes. How did that come about? And a, where did the name come from? So Halftone Deaf happened or formed when Levi started working at Shepherd, and we basically shared like a cubby space. Mm-hmm. Um, the old building that we were at kind of forced us to double up in, into cubicles. They weren't really cubicles. It was like a partition, <laughs> three-wall free partition. Sure. Uh, but anyway, we, we both we both were in the same partition, and we were constantly passing either links to people's work or, like, work that we like, or we were just – we were constantly designing and talking about design, and I don't know. I, I feel like – we shared a brain on a lot of things. (laughs) So at one point in time, you know, Levi was like talking about screen printed posters and gig posters. And he was like, I would love to try that out sometime. And I I was pretty much in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, So we said, we decided to give it a go. And before halftone deaf was even like formed, we, we got together and started screen printing posters. Gotcha. Out of his uh, out of his garage, um, and then from there it turned into well maybe we should you know have a name and put together a website um, you know with a work so we can we can go and trick people into giving us more work, um, and then that's kind of how Halftone Deaf came about. As far as the name, it's something that Levi came up with, um, and so it's it's kind of like most deaf. Right, right, right. Except it's halftone, which is super prevalent in screen printing. Sure, um, and deaf. And then, so. and then you get to play on tone deaf as well. Yep, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Which we both are. <laughs> I, hey, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so going back to the screen printing that you were all were doing, were you doing like client work screen printing at this point, or were you just doing fun posters for yourself? Um, we were doing both. We were doing both. Like we would make our own fun uh, if we didn't have anything going on, and we were actively emailing people, um, like the uh, Savannah Music Festival, mm-hmm. to see if we could get client work. Um, there wasn't a ton of client work coming through. I mean, a lot of it was for fun, um, 
but then you know you post enough work that you're doing for fun and all of a sudden you got clients coming in asking you to do the same thing sure yep so how how does that fit into your schedule now um we get we still get client requests i would say probably less than than we used to sure um because we don't actively promote it quite as much as we did you have lives <laughs> yes <laughs> trying to yeah, keep well, up with that <laughs> yeah i got two kids he's getting ready to have a kid <laughs> so everything has changed um but we do get we do get work that comes through halftone deaf and we just kind of we have a conversation about if it's something that we can tag team we both have time for we do it uh, or if one of us is busy and the other one isn't then we'll just kind of filter it through the person who's not busy um but levi and i i mean we still talk daily mm-hmm um, and we still constantly, constantly pass work back and forth. It's kind of, it's kind of awesome. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do without that guy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's like the yin to my yang. <laughs> yeah. I, I can definitely see y'all having the kind of opposite, but balancing aesthetics and mentalities. Man, we, we are so, we are so lucky to have each other. I feel like, um, if, if everybody in this world, especially the design world, could like buddy up with somebody, um, it would be, I don't know, I feel like the world would be a better place. Well, it's almost like a peer mentoring relationship in a weird way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you've also lately been doing a lot, and, th- and this is where I'm extremely jealous of you. You've been <laughs> doing a lot of beer packaging. Yes. Um, which is like my dream job. Um, has, has that all been through the agency or has that been on your own as well? It's, it's been a little bit of both. Um, we had, we had a craft brewery open up in Jacksonville, I think about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And my friend Jackie, who, um, was a copywriter here, who also was like a big craft beer fan, found out about it and, was basically like we need to contact these people so that we can, you know, we can do tap handles and uh, beer cans and you know drink beer. So I was like, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically we we sent them some stuff through Shepherd, and I think we we had to contact them like three or four times before we could get a sit down meeting. But we met with the owners who were super duper nice. Um, very, very into Jacksonville, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked them into, you know, letting us have a crack at their, their packaging, which I think started out with tap handles. Um, and it stayed tap handles probably for the first couple of years until they got, they, they grew the brewery and got production up to speed mm-hmm. to where they could actually start, uh, distributing in cans. And then we tackled the can stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. So that, that actually came through Shepard. And since then, it's kind of been a back and forth. I get, I get freelance requests um, for beer stuff, but I also have stuff that comes in through the agency that, uh-huh. that we tackle as well. So a little bit of both. So I'm wondering that because there's, you know, with beer packaging and all, there's specific rules that go along with it as well. How does that like, do you research all that stuff out or do they kind of tell you, hey, you know, you got to have this, you know, the UPC mark here and the Surgeon General mark here. And I did a lot of research when we did the Bold City stuff, uh-huh. um, which if you've ever been to the TTB website or tried tried to navigate through there to find what you need. I've tried to navigate through it. It's, it's painful. <laughs> it is painful. It's it's not it's not easy. There's a lot of stuff to weed through. <laughs> I feel like they could they could use a restructure on their uh, <laughs> their site for sure. But anyway, I, I did a lot of research up front, um, made a ton of mistakes, and and learned very quickly what what you can and kind of can't do. And then that knowledge is just you know carried over and built upon on every project since. So it's, it was a lot of painful, painful stuff up front, but you're right. There's, I mean, there's a ton of, um, not a ton, but enough, enough regulatory do's and don'ts that you have to be aware of when, when you're taking on a project. Sure. But I'm happy to report that's, I I just finished up a six can series for this brewery out in, um, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I think everything went through the TTB 
and and there were zero changes, which has never happened to me before. They usually always come back with just like a little something, but this time it just kind of flew through. So I was I was amazed. Sure. And so, and this that's the I'm assuming that's the one I'm looking at right now is the Tanaya. Yeah, the Tanaya. Yep, that's right. So I I love what you've done here because you know a lot of times a lot of designers will just take and section off a strip of stuff that they need for where they need UPC, Surgeon General, all, you know, all that fun stuff of recycle, you name it. <laughs> right. And they'll just section off a strip and it doesn't really get included in the design. Whereas you've worked it where on all of the pieces you've got this cactus built and then within the cactus is where you house that stuff. Right. <laughs> so you know how much playing around how much forethought went into that process of it or was that a kind of happy accident while you were working of it where you reached a freak out point of where the hell am i going to shove all this shit <laughs> i i think i always like i don't necessarily have a plan when i'm going in other than i'm so glad i'm just... so glad to hear that by the way yeah <laughs> Well, I know that like when I do it, I don't want to just slap it on there. Sure. Um, so the whole time when I'm designing, I'm definitely thinking about, well, how can I how can I bend this stuff in so that it's maybe a little bit more fun and it looks more integrated versus, you know, here's a panel with all the shit that I absolutely have to include that I don't really want to include because it's really ugly. Right. Um, so with the Tanaya cans... Obviously, we, we, we had the cactus and we had the scenic stuff kind of going on. And I just started playing around with different ways to to include the, you know, the government warnings and recycle and UPC and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and just, you know, noodled it until I, I landed where I did. Well, you did a great you did a great job of making it seem seamless. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I kind of want to switch gears here. And if you're OK talking about this. Um, is you know get a little personal because you know you you mentioned you've got two kids yep and i know one of them has special needs yes and you know how has that kind of changed your life and i and i ask this because um i've got two kids as well both my kids are on the autism spectrum so i'm, I'm coming from a place of understanding of how you deal with kids with special needs and you know how for me that's changed my life in a different way i'm just curious of how it's affected yours because your youngest is has downs correct that's correct that's correct um it's it's funny man i think it's it's changed my life profoundly in some ways mm -hmm. and in other ways not at all um when we found out our son was gonna have down syndrome he was still in utero um, and it like, it freaked my wife and I out sure. because we knew absolutely nothing about it. And I think, I think that was like, that was the scariest part was just being kind of put in a situation that you had zero control over that you knew zero about. And you just have that, that moment of panic, like what, I, I don't even know what this means. Mm -hmm. So once you kind of get past that and you start you know, looking into it and talking to other people in similar situations and doing your homework, you realize that it's, it's not, um, at least for us, it became, it became infinitely less scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you kind of get even beyond that and you realize, you know, if my kid comes out of the womb and he's got, you know, four arms, two heads and a tail, <laughs> I, I really don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. my kid and we're going to love him, And, and that's just kind of the bottom line. It's like, once you get to that, that point, it's, I feel like it's just like, it's just like, like anything else, you know? Right. So yeah, it was, it was interesting, man. And now, now that he's here, um, he, he just turned two in, uh, early December. Mm-hmm. I like I literally I forget sometimes that he has Down syndrome because mm -hmm. it's just you, you just don't think about it. You know, to us, we look at him and and he's just Owen. Yeah. You know, and he does what he does and and it's just part of who he is. So I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I feel like 
I feel like I am definitely more aware and more empathetic than I was before he was born. Sure. With kids that have, uh, or, or just people in general that have special needs. Um, but, but yeah, man, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe because I, I feel like my life is, my life is very much different and very much the same as it was. If that makes any sense. No, it makes complete sense. Cause I mean, I know with my kids, I mean, for me, there are days on end where I will go without thinking one bit about them being on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, and then we get into certain situations and, you know, something will trigger them to have a meltdown or yep. they'll just be overwhelmed. And it, it kind of comes rushing back. And it's, you know, for the longest time, my concern with it wasn't how I was going to handle it. It's how other people were going to handle it. Yep. And, you know, getting to that point of, uh, I'm trying to find the right words, of, of not giving a fuck what strangers think. Yeah. Um, yeah. took a long time and the, the, don't get me wrong. There are still days where you'll see somebody who's just doesn't handle it. Well, don't, they don't know how to handle it well. Yep. And, and they, you know, start giving you kind of judgy looks that it really, there are times where it really gets to you, but yeah, being able to move past that is, you know, I, I think the, the true gift that comes from it yeah like you said that that level of empathy that you're you're almost forced into you you are but then it become i don't know i feel like it kind of it becomes home very quickly yes yes um yeah man it's the the whole situation situation is very interesting i i I feel like for us we found out really early on Mm -hmm. and kind of had conversations before uh owen was even born you know the i i feel like if you are comfortable with it, it puts other people at ease and then they can be comfortable with it. Sure. And and it's not true every single time. I mean, <laughs> we, we get the same thing. Like sometimes you're in a grocery store and you see people doing like double, triple takes. Yeah. And, you know, they're just they're looking at, um, you know, they're looking at our son and just trying to figure out they're processing what, you know, what it is that they're seeing. Um, and. I don't know, like when, when I see stuff like that happen, I'm kind of like you, like it, it just kind of is what it is, you know, like I, I don't really, I don't, I don't judge it too much. Uh, I don't, I don't explain it, um, you know, to, to anyone around me or my family. It's just, sure. you know, it's, it's a part of it and we just kind of, it happens and, and we move on. So, yeah. Well, I mean, for me, that's been very much the case. The, very much a similar case. Um, but I'm also one that I'm, you know, if somebody asks me a question, I'll talk their ear off about it. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Which is very much outside of my normal personality. <laughs> <laughs> so I, f- I find that kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, the other crazy part, and, and I don't know if you guys have gone through this. I'm sure you have. Um but I start to think a lot about like the future and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I'm, when my wife and I are, are gone, you know, how, how does our son live on from there? And I think it's put a lot of emphasis on just doing what we can now to kind of prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you do that with children in general. Um, but with kids with special needs, it's like, okay, well there's, there's a lot more attached to it than just, you know, getting you into school and making sure you got a good career and, you know, and then it's off you go. Right. Um, and, and depending on, you know, where your kids are on, on, uh, the spectrum of down syndrome or autism or, or whatever, Sure. you know, that, that varies quite a bit. So those, I feel like those kind of conversations are continually happening at the house to just kind of try and figure out, you know, how do we, how do we get, how do we set things up so that he's going to be okay after, you know, after we're not around. Sure. Well, so that was something I was curious about because I knew that Downs was kind of a, a spectrum disorder as well of, you know, how does that work? I honestly, man, I don't even really know. <laughs> I just know, I, I know that there are varying degrees of uh, how Down syndrome can, can affect people. Sure. And you have uh, some some people are extremely high functioning, mm-hmm. um, and they can have jobs. I think in some cases they can drive, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have you have others that um, 
you know, just th- they're not going to be able to get to that point in their life and they require more care. Sure. Uh, also on the physical side too, um, you know, we, we've got like physical therapy and speech therapy and therapy therapy. I mean, I feel, I feel like <laughs> my wife, my wife, God bless her. She's, she's so wonderful. Um, because she takes all this stuff in stride mm-hmm. and it's just kind of, again, kind of become our part of our normal routine, but, but it's still, it's still part of the routine and part of life and part of things that, that we have to consider, uh, you know, not just right now, but like moving forward. Sure. And I, I don't think there's really any way of telling where my son's going to fall on that spectrum until he gets a little bit older. I was about to say he's two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> there's a lot of things to come, you know, a lot of variables, but I mean, just like I said before, we're in it no matter what. So I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see what comes next. Awesome. So how, you know, what were some of the, what were some of the scariest moments for you when you first found out? I th- I think it was just the beginning, man. Um, we just, we heard, we heard Down syndrome or they wanted to do, I think they wanted to do some tests, right? Some blood work tests. Sure. And one of the things that they test for is, is Down syndrome. Right. And I think the first time that we had done the test, it came back inconclusive. And then the second time they did the, the test, it came back positive mm-hmm. uh, for the extra chromosome. So when we found out, it was just like, it, it was that, that shock. Like, um, you know, we, we just didn't, we, we knew absolutely nothing. Sure. Um, and I think like knowing nothing that was, that was scary for us because we were like, what, you know, what is this going to mean for our kid? You know, like we just, we had no idea. And then, you know, you start thinking about your own lives and, you know, we think about our, our son that's already born and what does that mean for him? And because it's going to, it felt like it was going to, to kind of put everything on its head. And then once again, like once we, we were able to do the research and educate ourselves, it diffused that very quickly. So I would say like the beginning, it was definitely that unknown. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me with my kids, one of the biggest challenges, and it still is a challenge is there's that continuous unknown. Yeah. Um, so, you know, doing as much research, but Knowing that you've got to take a break from it at times, too. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise you're just going to overwhelm yourself and stress yourself out way too much and your kids don't need that. Dude, you're so right because I feel like they're they're feeding off of you and your vibe. Mm-hmm. And if you're – sometimes research is bad to the point where you can start overcorrecting. Right. And trying to do too much, and then that pushes that pushes them in an uncomfortable place, and it puts you in an uncomfortable place. And yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of a fine line between, you know, doing it enough and not not uh, or, or doing it uh, too much. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I know for us, like with all the therapies that my kids have had to go through, and I mean, thankfully, they, you know, the older they get, the less therapies that they have to have. So that's. Very nice. But there yeah, are still awesome. there are still therapies that, you know, they have to go to. But we got to a point where we were trying to do every single thing for them. And some of them were like, well, do they really need this? Yep. Or is this just like we got to a point with speech therapy where it was like, are they going to is this really going to affect how they talk and things like that? And it was there were cognitive things and it was like we were taking away their ability to be a kid yes so we decided to put a hold on it and i mean so far no so far it seems to have worked out just fine they you know there's not really the the speech issues that they do have are things that speech therapy wouldn't correct really right so and we've we've gone through similar things too um i think some of the best advice that we got was from our pediatrician who specializes um, in kids with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of therapies that you can do. And he told us, he told us this like, like way in the beginning. Sure. Uh, and he was like, you know, feel free to, you know, do it or, you know, take advantage of it as, you know, as much as you feel comfortable with. Um, he was like, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> You don't want to, um, 
he was like, the best advice I, I can give you is raise him like you would any other child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like when, when he told us that, it was like, okay, well, now we have a counterpoint to all of these suggested therapies that we're supposed to be doing. And, and it's helped us kind of keep, at least keep that in the back of our mind um, mm-hmm. and try and keep some of that balance in there. Because to your point, it's like you don't want to take away their childhood. Right. You know, at a certain point, it just becomes too much and just overwhelming and you need to go outside and just freaking run around and kick a ball or slide down a slide or you know just do kid shit yeah well yeah i mean it's like you said you just do kid shit because at a certain point you know these aren't things that define them no and they shouldn't be things that define them the they need to be a kid first yes you know and kids learn through play and stuff like that not therapy yeah, no, I absolutely agree, man. Absolutely. So, cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, with, with all that in mind, you know, how has that, your daily schedule, how has that shaped it? Because I know before Owen was born, you used to go out surfing every morning, <laughs> um, you know, and, and these are you know, not necessarily things that come from having special needs. These are things that come from having a second kid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> you know, how, how has that changed your schedule? Um, I would say just with having two kids, I can't, it's, it's tougher to get out and do those things. Sure. Um, because I, I still do a fair amount of freelance work. Um, and I need time to do that, but I find myself when I come home in the evening, I, I don't, I just want to spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do work. Um, I've got like a window where, you know, we're eating dinner and getting ready for bed and maybe doing a little bit of playing in between. Um, so I find, I find myself cutting some of the recreational stuff that I like to do, uh, a little short or at least shorter than I, I used to. Sure. So I haven't been surfing as much in the mornings because I'm, I'm doing my freelance work, but I have been. I've been doing more skating, okay. um, which has been nice. I've got a group of buddies that that I get together with on Wednesday nights. Um, they have an old old man night at a skate, <laughs> a skate park <laughs> in our area. So we'll go in and push around a little bit, which is fun. And but but beyond that, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to I try and be more efficient with my time so I can spend, you know, my off time with my family. Um, and to me, that's that's become infinitely more important. Not that it wasn't important before. It was definitely important before, but I feel like the more, uh, the more kids you add on, <laughs> sure. The more you need to be around, around them to make sure that you're giving them, you know, your attention and, and quality time. So, so I do, I do less recreational sh- stuff, but I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely happy to cut it out for my family. Gotcha. Yep. So, you know, kind of getting close to our time here. What, what, is on the horizon for you man that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> i i don't really know um i love you know work-wise i love where i'm at right now mm-hmm. um so i i reckon i'll definitely stick around here as long as they'll have me um i still want to do fun fun work on the side too which thankfully they're they're very um gracious about so I, I don't know. Well, man. I, I, just wanna... I think you're really lucky with that because a lot of agencies aren't. Man, I've heard that and it seems so foreign to me. <laughs> well, I think a lot of agencies, they view it as you're taking work away from us. Right, right. Well, and, and I think if, if you're actively seeking out, you know, if you're trying to like nudge out the agency uh, and take on their own client work, you know, that's that's horrible you know right. like morality i feel like as long as people have good morals right and 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 you're open and honest about it there shouldn't be an issue and that's that's kind of the way that shepherd works mm-hmm. um but i wish i wish more places would do it because honestly man it it feeds it feeds each other you know um i feel like if if you feel creatively fulfilled you know if you get a job uh that you have to do that's maybe not as fulfilling, you, you still feel energized to do it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I understand it on one hand why they do it, but I feel like it's a little bit, 
in some cases might be a little bit paranoid. Um, but, <laughs> I would but definitely I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I'm just. I'm thankful to be. <laughs> I'm thankful to be in a spot where they let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So, <clears throat> wrapping up here, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Dribble. Uh, profile is Kendrick Kid. I've um, I've got a website KendrickKid.com, but it pretty much just points to my Dribble. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the best place to look. Uh, so no matter yeah. what, someone's going to find your Dribble. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much, it all leads back there. Cool. Cool. Um, well, Kendrick, I appreciate you taking the time today. Man, thanks for having me. I really, um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. So we end every podcast by saying go out and hug some necks, which is just a kind of fun way of reminding people to go out and make friends and don't be a stranger and all. Would you mind taking us out by saying that? Wait, say it one more time. Go out and hug some necks. <laughs> go out and hug some necks. Perfect. Thanks, Kendrick. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. <laughs> All right. You can find out more about Kendrick on Twitter at Kendrick Kid, and be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code Creative South. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks. Necks.